psalmist teaches us how to relate to God. It's an interesting question when you think of a human being coming to Almighty God. What do you say? <laughs> how do you stand? I mean, what what is appropriate? What is an appropriate thing to say to Almighty God? And so in Psalm 95, the psalmist recognizing that this is a legitimate question, taught us what God wants to hear. What should we say? Here we have gathered together in this service this morning. The purpose of it is to meet God, to meet God together. We call it a worship service. What, what do we do? What goes into this? And so the psalmist tells us that uh, and if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Psalm 95. This is a marvelous psalm, and the psalmist teaches us three different ways we can relate to God. He says, first, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So the first way of expressing ourselves to God is with exuberant praise. The psalmist tells us we offer God our exuberant praise because he rules the earth he created. An interesting language he uses in the opening of this psalm. He calls us, first of all, come. That's an imperative. Come. It's just it's the word walk. Just come. Gather together, which we have done. We're here. Now what do we do? Well, come, he said. And, and then he uses a, 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 a group of, uh, of verbs that are in a tense that just says, uh, I'm not commanding. I, I'm not just saying it. I'm, I'm strongly encouraging. Let's get into this together is what he's saying. Come, gather. First, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us sing for the joy. Now, this word that just says, let us sing for joy. That's one word in Hebrew. Sing for joy. One word. And, and it's a, an interesting word. It means to give a shrill cry. A tremulous cry. Now, if you've been to a Middle Eastern wedding, or if you've seen one on TV or in a movie, you've heard the women going, oh, la, 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 something like that. I have a cold. I've lost my... It's really an exaggeration of the, of the Hebrew term halal, halalalala, like that, which means to praise. And so this psalmist, is actually encouraging us to exuberantly just yell out, just express like you're at a ball game. This is wonderful. I am offering this highest of praise to God. Sing for joy to the Lord. <coughs> I have a cold. So my... my I, that little halal thing kind of got me. When I, by the way, just I'm congested, 
But when I got the news from Sherry last night that she has COVID, I went and got tested. So I'm okay. I can breathe on you. You may get a cold. <laughs> but these days, hey, so what's with a cold? No big deal. Okay, so first let us sing for joy to the Lord. And then let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And that verb means shout aloud. Shout, make a noise, let it all hang out. It was also used of blowing a trumpet with great gusto. Give a blast on the horn. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. That, 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 that second uh, verse in this, in this uh, stanza, let us come before him with country, it literally means let us engage his face. The word face, panim, is actually there. Let us treat him like he's real. Let's get up close. Let us engage is the word. Let us engage his face. Let's, for a moment, as Jews or as Christians, pretend he's real. Ha! Huh. What a novel thought. Did it ever occur to you that sometimes, it has to me, sometimes I go through these motions and I even forget who I'm talking to. Or if I'm talking to anybody. I'm just pushed the button and sang a song. It's what I do. And he's saying, no, no, no. No, engage his face. Extol him. And there's that word again, lift up. Exalt, shout out your thanksgiving to God. Praise, praise. We offer God our exuberant praise. And then verse 3 says, because the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. We praise him because he's worthy of praise. You don't praise stuff that doesn't matter. You praise things that matter. You praise the Lord because he is the great God, the great king above all gods, in his hand. And this word hand is going to play an important role in this psalm. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. So he uses these extremes, the depths of the earth and the mountain, it all belongs to him, and everything in between. He owns it all. Why? Because the sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Why do we praise God? Because he is the great God. He is the king above any other thing that we might worship. A lot of things we admire, we like, we, we, we gravitate toward. But he is the great king. He is the great Jehovah above all of it. Nothing else you can even imagine compares with his majesty, his greatness, his power. He created the sea, he created the land, so he owns it. He has entrusted us to steward it, to take care of it, but it belongs to him. And second, we offer reverent worship because we are his people. So verses 1 through 5 tell us we are to offer God our exuberant praise 
because he rules the earth he created. And then in verses 6 and 7, he says, we are to offer God reverent worship because we are his people. Verse 6 says, come, let us bow down, literally, let us bow down and bow down. It's two different words, but they both mean bow down. The first one, let us, let us, let us bow, and then the second one says, let us get on our face. Let us let him know just how humble we become when we contemplate his presence. In the Middle East, there's a, almost bragging rights about the size of the callus on your forehead. And some men even pinch and do that to their head. Because the bigger your callus, the more reverently you have placed your head on the floor. I don't have any calluses. But does my heart, does my soul, does my mind bow down before him? Come again. Imperative, come, come. Together, let us bow down. Let us bow down. Let us kneel. Let us kneel as we come face to face with our maker, the Lord. Again, that word face is there. Personal. Not an idea. Not a higher being. Our living God. Come face to face with him. Deal with him. Confront him. Confront the way you think about him. As you praise him and as you kneel down. Why should we bow down and bow down and kneel before the Lord our maker? And once again the explanation for or because he is our God. Very carefully constructed. Our God. He belongs to us because we belong to him. He furthers, we are the people of his pasture. Wow. We're the people he cares about. We're the people, members of his flock. We are the flock of his hand. There's that word hand again. The, 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 the hand. The hand that created the depths of the earth, the hand that formed the dry land is the hand that shepherds you, that takes care of you, the hand that loves you, the hand that surrounds you, the hand that feeds you, the hand of God, your God, the God who belongs to to you and the God to whom you belong. That's why we bow down and worship, because it's a personal thing. He is our God, and we are his people, the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So first the psalmist says, let's praise God, because he created everything. 
And he is the great God. And let us worship God because he loves us. He owns us. He protects us. He is our shepherd. Two different ways of relating to God. Praise and worship in the same psalm. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 30. After King Hezekiah had just encouraged the people of Judah to exercise, to practice the Passover. And and it says, when the offerings of the Passover were finished, the king and everyone present with him knelt down and worshipped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with words of David and of Asaph, the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshipped in the same service. Go figure. And then we read Paul telling the church at Colossae, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonishing through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Hymns and praise songs. And then John tells us in Revelation 19 where he's describing the, Revelation 19 is where Jesus returns and the heaven is preparing, they're getting ready. And it says, I heard something, John in his, his ecstatic state being there in heaven, he says, I heard something like the loud voice of a mass multitude in heaven saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, there, there it is again. Salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. Then the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who is seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. A voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all his servants. Worship and praise. At the same time, Can you actually do that? Well, a lot of churches today are saying, no, 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 no. Now, you get contemporary music, and you get traditional hymns. You got to pick. So a lot of churches, I was just in a church recently, they said, we're going to have two services. We're going to have our traditional service where we sing hymns. We're going to have our contemporary service. So contemporary says to me, okay, so old geezers, we can't sing those songs. And traditional, the young people say, well, can't sing those songs. It's not contemporary and traditional. It's our expressions to God. Some people say, well, I got the guitar. That's not worship. No, it isn't. It's praise. Get over it. Then somebody says, oh, the organs play, holy, holy, holy. Well, that's not praise. No, it's worship. Get into it. Praise and worship. It's not a choice. These aren't elective courses. You've got to take them both. Because both are essential. And both from the beginning to the end are taught throughout Scripture. Richard Foster, if you're familiar with Celebration of Discipline... Renovari, Richard Foster's wonderful ministry of spiritual formation. Richard Foster, in his book, Spirit, uh, Celebration of Discipline, lists disciplines, and as you 
read various spiritual formation literature, you find these disciplines show up all over the place. And, and two of the disciplines that, that are always there, and Foster talks about them, disciplined living includes two important experiences. Praise offers the wonderful, hilarious, exuberant experience of walking and leaping and singing and celebrating God. It's a spiritual discipline. It's legitimate. It's accurate. It's needed. It's an essential part of our life to just enjoy and sing praise. And worship, he says, worship ushers us into the holy of holies where we can see the Lord high and lifted up. I need to be reminded of how great my God is, how wonderful he is. See him face to face and praise him because of the wonderful things he has done. And I need to see him face and face and I need to bow down and say, oh Lord, I have no business being here. How can this mortal creature come into your presence? I can't even look at you. I can't even stand in your presence. I have to get on my knees. I have to get on my face. I have to help you understand how humble I feel in your presence so that I can honor you and attribute worth to you. The International Standard, Encycl International Standard Bible Encyclopedia defines praise this way. Praise comes from a Latin word meaning value or price. Thus, to give praise to God is to proclaim his merit or worth. Praise is almost invariably linked to music in Scripture. It just says, Lord, I attribute value to you. I recognize and I acknowledge and I express how marvelous I think you are. It so excites me. I can't just talk about it. I got to sing about it. I got to shout about it. I was in an Assemblies of God pastor's conference in South Africa. And uh, we had worship. We had, no, we didn't. We had celebration. It was almost scary. People were singing and dancing and clapping. And at first, I was really uncomfortable. But then I thought, you know, that's missing from my tradition. We're good at worship. But rarely do we celebrate. And if we do, some people say, that's not my style. Tough bananas. Develop it as a style. Or you're disobeying God. God wants you to praise him. You might even raise your hands. As the scripture says. You might even clap your hands. Amen, brother. All right. Now, you couldn't do it here, but there are places where you could actually dance, like David danced before the Lord. Now, I'm not trying to turn this into a that, whatever. You got to be comfortable, but you got to grow. And I hear some people say, well, if we sing those choruses, 
might have to smile. <laughs> Others are saying, if we sing those hymns, might have to think. Yeah. Yeah, what a great idea. To think, to process, to hear, to sense God, and to express ourselves. Worship and praise. Now, the end of this psalm is, takes a weird turn. Verse 7 is a very strange verse. Verse 7 says, the sea is his. Pardon me, wrong verse. We are, he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did at Meribah. Hmm. As you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, when you didn't have any water and you complained. You didn't trust God. And, oh, woe is us. We're going to die. Why did God bring us out of Egypt? There, you, God says, you tested me. Your ancestors tested me. They tried me. Though they had already seen what I did. For 40 years, the word is, I was disgusted. I was so disappointed with that generation. That they are people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my ways. How sad. How sad. And they say, what's the connection? I really like those first two stanzas. They were great. But what's, why, why would the psalmist, under God's inspiration, suddenly switch and, and go there? It sort of spoils it. In fact, Derek Kidner, Kidner says about this last part of the psalm, by ending on this note, the psalmist sacrifices literary grace for moral urgency. What's the moral urgency? Why did he att attach this? Because I believe this is why. I believe this is why. He's saying, I've invited you to praise God to recognize him and to express your praise, to get into it, to process your wonder of God's beauty. And I've encouraged you, I have commanded you to come, to bow down and worship, and to remind yourself how great this God is, and that he is your God, and that you are his people, and you are the sheep of his hand, the same hand that created the dry land and the sea is the hand that guides you. Because if you don't remind yourself of who God is and express alive and remind yourself of your relationship with God, you will grow cold. You will grow distant. Today, if you would only hear his voice. Now, listen to the two things. Listen to the two things. We are the people of his pasture the flock of his hand, today, if only you would, and the word is shamat, obey, process. Respond to his voice. Remember John 10 where Jesus said, my sheep know me, and they hear my voice. You will hear his voice if you know him 
and you relate to him, and you remind yourself on a regular basis of who he is, how magnificent he is, and you mind yourself periodically that he is your God, and you are his person. Yeah, we are his people, but you, you, even you, yeah, look in the mirror, say, wow, <laughs> I need to go bow down. I know that you need to go kneel down. I need to go as the King James says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's what this is talking about. Because if you don't, you may forget. Do not harden your hearts as your ancestors did in the wilderness when they tested me. They griped and they complained. They refused to go into the promised land because they couldn't trust me, even though they had seen all the works I had done among them. Their hearts went astray. They did not know my ways. And as I read that, I'm reminded of a message that the apostle wrote to us. Where he says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. They didn't praise him. They didn't worship him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles and houses and cars and shoes and the other things that we worship. Because we forgot to remind ourselves, to remember that God wants our exuberant praise and our reverent worship. And then the psalmist reminded us, as Paul did in Romans, that if we don't keep a relationship with God, we will drift away. Anybody else ever experience that hot and cold stuff? Or is that just preachers? Yeah, yeah. And I think the danger is not only if we don't praise and worship, but if we don't do both. Some of us are more inclined toward praise. Some of us are more inclined toward worship. We have our loves. And I'm just asking us as a congregation to love what you love, Appreciate what you appreciate, get into it, but also understand that there is an essential other side of how we express ourselves to God. God wants our exuberant praise. He loves to hear our exuberant praise because he rules the earth he created, and God loves when we offer reverent worship because we are his people. Not either or, both and. And we have a Worship leader who can do both. Praise God. And Jesus understands us, doesn't he? I mean, he made us. 
And he understood that we have a tendency to forget, or at least, again, I do. Get it going on my life, and Jesus said, I, I, I don't want you to ever forget. I don't ever want you to forget how much I love you. That you are the sheep of my hand. It's hands on. <laughs> you are my people, and I am your God. And so he said to his disciples the night before he was crucified, guys, we're celebrating the Passover. This Passover we've done for centuries, our people. And you guys, you've done it all your lives. Celebrate the Passover, because the Passover helps us remember that God passed over our homes in Egypt because the blood was on the door. And he passed over the home of the Egyptians, who were sensible enough to believe God and put blood over the door. And he passed us through the sea. Great miracle to remind us, to reinforce our belief that he is our God. And then he commanded Moses to command us to never forget. And every year we celebrate this coming out, this salvation, this deliverance. And tomorrow, Jesus said, you're going to see a new deliverance. I'm going to deliver you from the power of sin in your life. And I'm going to deliver you from the penalty of sin in your life. Because I am going to die to pay the penalty for your sins. And all you have to do, all you have to do is hear my voice and respond to my invitation to confess your sins to me. I will bear the burden of your sins and forgive you and give you eternal life, a life with me for eternity. That's what I'm going to do for you tomorrow. And, and I don't want you to ever forget it. It's going to be a gruesome thing you'll see. What you'll see, first of all, is they're going to beat me. And they're going to nail me to a cross. And so, guys, this bread that we've been eating, let me give it a new meaning. This bread is my body, which is broken for you. Because you needed it. <laughs> you had no other way to deal with a sin problem in your life. So tomorrow you're going to see me deal with it for you. So every time you eat this bread, let it remind you of what you're going to see when they crucify me tomorrow. For the rest of your life, whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup the same way. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. I died so that you don't have to die spiritually. You can come to life. So whenever you drink this cup, let it be a reminder to you that my body was broken and my blood was shed for you. And on that basis, I ask you to give me exuberant praise. And I ask you 
to give me thoughtful, genuine worship. Build the callus on the forehead of your soul. That's what I ask. Never forget.